The Midday Report. I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The Midday Report. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk. Good to be with you today. Hope you had a, a good weekend. Lots of sport on this weekend. Uh, the Ashes, the F1, uh, golf, the football as well. And football, of course, uh, very often, as you see with sport, uh, the line between sport and politics and rights, always a very fine one. That's where we start the show today, having a look at Banyana Banyana, the Minister of Sports, Arts and Culture, Zizi Kodwa, calling for Calm, uh, the Premier of Gauteng, Panyazila Sufi, stepping into this as well because yesterday we saw the national women's football team raising concerns over the conditions where they were due to play a, a warm-up match before they headed off to the World Cup. Uh, also issues around their contracts and commitments that they wanted into their contracts as well. Uh, so Zizi Kod was going to be meeting with Safa and Sapfu tomorrow to try and find solutions. Uh, as I said, the Gauteng Premier also stepping in. There's been criticism and there's been praise for Banyana Banyana. Some have called them mercenaries and traitors because they boycotted that warm-up match against uh, Botswana. Lots of issues around the venue of Tsakane Township, 50 kilometers southeast of Joburg. Uh, The players saying that that field was just unsuitable for international football. So whether you have an opinion in support or against Banyana Banyana, uh, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a WhatsApp voice note, 072-702-1702-072-567-1567. My personal feeling is that I feel like Banyana Banyana are mitigating against what they've experienced in the past. Like many women in sport before them, uh, I mentioned earlier to Clement Maniatella, like Billie Jean King in the original nine, uh, we are seeing this fight for equality in women's sports uh, that has been happening for, for decades now. Well, let's speak to Portia Modise, former Banyana Banyana player who joins us to talk about this. Portia, good afternoon to you. Thank you so much for your time. Isn't this precisely what you have been warning about, been talking about for years? Good, good, good afternoon. I like to say uh, good afternoon to the listeners of Seven O Two and to you, Mimi. Um, I should say, Mimi, because I, I, I believe that these are the issues we've been, we've been trying to make, you know, the nation uh, aware about the uh, gender equality is really not playing a good role, you know, when it comes to women in sports, especially also in women and women's football. Uh, we were facing um, an unfairly uh, uh, treatment because even in the places that we camp, it, it's not really you can put a human being wireless when we look at Bafana Bafana, they always getting lasers. And that also it triggers the minds of players to say now they start to compare what Bafana Bafana gets, what we get. And that is not the aim of really being the leader of, of the national teams. You know, we, we can't be against each other. We can't be you know, uh, uh, starting to, to value each other. We need to support each other by each course. Uh, we are both senior teams of the nation. They are the senior teams of men. We are senior teams of women. What they get, we need to get also. The, the treatment that they get, that we, we deserve it. Because I believe with our performances, uh, being the champions uh, in Africa, we showed which we deserve, we can rise with nothing, but it's about time now we get the recognition and we get 
the gender equality that we deserve because we fought without speaking, we fought with the results. Now we're trying to fight with speaking. Why people are judging us? Because you know why? Those people they will never be in they will never uh, be in our shoes. They will never understand what we've been feeling for 35 years. Because probably and is sitting in a, in a good place in 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 here or his working place. But the working place are not the same. You know, we've been pending for 35 years. I think the girls are doing the good thing to stand mm. up. It's not about disrespecting the country. It's about the country help us. More than anything, help us because we've been going through this for so many years. Yep. So, Portia, let's look at the other side of this and the argument that the players are acting as mercenaries, that they have an obligation if they are picked for the national side to, to, to be patriotic, to play for the national side, to, uh, to, to deliver that commitment. What, what is your response to that criticism? My response is the people who are saying that they're unfair. It's like you go into your job just to volunteer yourself, wireless you have families, wireless you're coming from a disadvantaged home. You're fighting with what you have to change the situation, but there are people who want you to go out there all the time to donate yourself, play free. Then you come back after people saw you on TV, taking a tax, a public transport. Sometimes you don't even have money to pay for that public transport, but you were in your name, you're saying you went to present your country on the World Cup, but you've got nothing to show. So those people are feel good to be a coward. They don't have the heart to think for someone else. It's always about them. Because if you think for someone else, you'll know everyone deserves better. Portia, thank you so much. Uh, Portia Modisa speaking to us, the former Banyana Banyana player. If uh, anyone has been vocal about this, if anyone knows exactly the issues that Banyana Banyana are dealing with, it is uh, Portia. Uh, and as she's been speaking about this for a very long time, saying that there are concerns here. According to the players, they're supposed to receive $30,000 each from FIFA for being at the World Cup, but nothing from SAFA. And Banyana refusing to sign pre-tournament contracts, saying they wanted an additional $21,000 dollars per player. Well, let's speak now to Minister Zizi Kodwa's spokesperson, Lita Mpondwana. Lita, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for for your time today. Uh, The minister has issued a statement about uh, the situation with Banyana Banyana. He's going to meet with the team, with the the union as well tomorrow. What is his position on this? So, Mandy, the minister was incredibly worried when you first heard about the situation yesterday. I received a letter from SAFTU the players' union, and then he made contact with the president of SAFA, Tarkadeni Yodan, and the SAFA representatives, um, which led to us um, arranging this meeting with the players' union tomorrow. But the minister, um, as, as part of government central strategy for, for, for ensuring gender equality in the country, um, the minister is of the position that um, the Banana Banana players need to be heard, and they need to be heard in an environment that is safe, where they can raise their concerns without fear of victimization. So the minister wants to hear out Banyana Banyana from the players' union, and then we can move forward to find a solution on how we can address the situation. Because the World Cup is under two weeks away, and you know how brilliantly Banyana Banyana have been for the country, how they've been great ambassadors um, for the country on and off the field. And we want them to be in a position where they can prepare to compete in the World Cup, which is under two weeks away. And Lisa, the, the minister saying in his statement, women's development, women's agency and voice, women's dignity in sport remains at the centre of the government's gender equality agenda. So as far as the minister is concerned, is this about uh, equality? Is it about women's rights or is it uh, more of a, a player issue? 
So, Mandy, the issues will be clear tomorrow when the minister sits down with staff crew. Um, but the essence is that um, seeing how seeing how the narrative has been around how um, perhaps banana banana. Um, players have not been paid as well as the men's players per se. The minister wants to emphasize that push where where women's uh, where women footballers' issues are raised in a in an appropriate platform, and that there are discussions in which um, women players and gender equality in the country generally, actually in sport, is 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 ensured. Lita, thank you very much. Lita Mpondwana is Minister Zizi Kodwa's spokesperson. Uh, as he says, the minister will be meeting tomorrow with uh, with the players, with uh, SAFA, with uh, the union as well, to try and get a sense there. We were hoping to also speak to the Gauteng Premier, Panyaza Lasufi, because he has also stepped in to try and resolve this. I'm not sure if it's a Gauteng issue. I'm not sure if it's a Swallows issue. I'm not sure why the Premier is involved, but he is trying to um, remedy this and, and find a solution as well. And at the moment, it does seem like a bit of a, of, of a stalemate. And I think people are very much either pro or against Banyana's stance here. Because what we saw happening yesterday was a mad scramble to try and find players there, to find players from local leagues. I mean, a 13-year-old was picked from a local league uh, to play Botswana beat Banyana 5-0. We can't really call it Banyana. And yet we're going off to Oceania. We're going to play the World Cup, which starts in a couple of weeks. And the country very much behind Banyana following their, their win at WEFCON. So what is your position on this? How do you feel? Send me a WhatsApp voice note. Let me know what you think. On 702 and Cape Talk, this is the Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. Specialists who enable your business growth aspirations. Hi, Mandy. Um, I think Banyana, Banyana, the issue that's just risen has just brought to the fore the problem that we have in this country with uh, sport overall. South Africa expects their professional sportsmen to do things for free. Um, whether you're a cricketer, swimmer, football player, if you're representing your, your country, you're expected to fund yourself. It's ridiculous. Our sports ministry has been putting money into the wrong things. That's the bottom line. Thanks, Mandy. Hi, Mandy. I say go banana, banana, go banana, banana. Under this ANC government, nothing is right. Not, we saw SAA workers not paid whilst they worked. They lost their houses, they lost their cars. Whilst Godan and the cronies were getting paid for doing nothing. Go banana, banana. It's about time we all register our dissatisfaction with this stupid government in all and all their formation because SAFA is also part of this old card. They must go. No, that's good. Uh, we are saying Posiam this is talking the honest truth. Daniel Dan is the elephant in the room and everybody doesn't want to face the truth. If uh, they had elected Mary uh, Dwaba, all these things will not be happening at Safa. The women won uh, WAFCON. They are still fighting to get salaries and better conditions. I mean, uh, where is this go to the sports minister and all of this is happening? He's busy in Devon uh, drinking champagne at uh, Devon July. He must address women's problems.
Thank you very much for that WhatsApp voice notes. Yeah, as, as we heard from the minister's spokesperson, he is meeting with them tomorrow. Uh, they're going to be discussing these issues. And yeah, this is exactly what's been going on for ages. Uh, the same thing happened in America with the, the women's uh, football team in America, world champions, and they also had to fight for, for equality and equal salaries. So this is just a, a fight that's happened in so many other countries, in so many other sports as well. In fact, it's just very long overdue. And I think the country is largely with Banyana here. The Midday Report. Let's go to the courts now. Three suspects linked to the Tabo Besta prison break back in the dock today. This is a story that's just not going to go away for, for a while. Uh, former G4S prison officials, they face charges of corruption, of violation of a body, of aiding and abetting a, an escape as well. They are part of a group of 12 people that have been arrested for helping uh, Tabo Besta to escape. Uh, um, Aaron Singh, EWN reporter in court. In court. Aaron, you're not in court. You're here. Across from me to talk about this. Uh, tell us what happened in court today. Um, afternoon, Mandy. Very brief appearance. We saw three of the accused appear in court this morning. Um, it was supposed to be a bail application for all three, but what we found was accused 10, that is Tabang Mir. Um, the state did not oppose his bail application. They awarded him bail in the form of 10,000 Rand, making him the third person of all 12 accused to be awarded bail. Um, we know that uh, Dr. Nandipa Magadumano's father, Zolile Sikleni, was awarded bail, as well as former G4S employee Natasha Janssen. So Tabang Mir is the third person to be granted bail in this matter. He was facing a Schedule 1 offence. Um, the only charge he's been charged with is aiding and abetting Tabo Besta escape. The other two co-accused who appeared alongside him, Joel uh, Maketa and Moketi uh, Ramolula, they were not uh, made. They did not make an application for bail. Their matter was postponed to next week, Tuesday, where they will make a formal bail application. It was just um, a quick appearance for all three of them. Tabang Mir has been ordered to report to the Kopenang Police Station once a week, um, just to check in with his I.O. He's handed over his passport. The general things that uh, we hear when someone's awarded bail, Mandy. Uh, so, Aaron, these three, uh, as I mentioned, are part of a group of 12 people, all playing different roles in assisting Tabo Besta to, to escape from prison. What do we know about these three? Because they were the most recently arrested, right? What role did they play? We don't know too much about them. We don't actually even know if they've been dismissed by G4S as it stands. Um, the company obviously not uh, updating us, releasing a statement, and neither have the state provided information, information as to whether these um, three officials have been dismissed by G4S. But what we know about the other two co-accused of Tabang Mir, uh, Joel Maketa and Moketi Ramalula, is that they, Moketi and um, Ramalula have actually um, they're facing Schedule 5 offences, and their role was much more than that of um, Tabang Mir. We understand that they, they, they're facing charges of corruption, so obviously money involved in one way or another. They were either paid or they received money or they paid someone um, regarding this whole um, saga. And they're also facing um, charges of uh, violation of a corpse. So they obviously played some sort of involvement in the body of Katlejo Bering, uh, whose body was smuggled into Bester's cell. But as to what exact role they played, we're hoping to get more information of that when they make a bid for bail next week, Tuesday. 
Oren, thank you very much. Uh, Oren Singh giving us an update there on three suspects linked to the Tabo Besta uh, prison break uh, in the dock today. Uh, bail applications there. One other matter that we are keeping an eye on as well. The trial continuing in the Estina 37.7 million rand tax fraud matter that's back in court today in the Pretoria Regional Court hearing testimony from a state witness. The accused in this matter are the two associates of the Gupta brothers. That's Kamal Vasram and Saliesh Indrajith who have already pleaded not guilty in March to that fraud case involving the Free State Estina project. They are facing charges of fraud, contravention of the International Trade Administration Act, other charges as well. All of that a joint investigation by SARS and the investigating directorate. So that matter is uh, still in court today as well. The Midday Report. Hi, Mandy. I'm an ex-footballer myself, and I think that SAFA has done very little to support women's football throughout the years. And Banyana Banyana have, despite all odds, ascended to success as the African champions. And I think that SAFA are now benefiting financially from the work that the women have been doing. And so I stand with them. And I think that, you know, this is highlighting something that has been um, neglected for so long. Thank you very much. And isn't this just the, the kind of um, theme that we are seeing again and again uh, when it comes to, to women's sports is that they have uh, succeeded in spite of the Football Association rather than because of the Football Association. And if you speak to former footballers, you heard from Portia Modise exactly this, the fact that they are not getting the support that they need and they're not getting rewarded in the way that they need. And they have, have drawn a, a line in the sand here and said, no, this time we mitigating it against the risk of uh, not getting paid what we should be getting paid and also about the treatment if you look at the field that they were supposed to be playing at in Sakani yesterday why are they playing there why are they not playing at Cape Town Stadium why are they not playing at any one of the other major stadiums where Bafana Bafana play I'm Andy Kubis from Centurion yeah great show um, just want to pick up on this Banyana Banyana issue I think the girls have got the fullest right to ask for or demand better pay. I mean, they much better than Bafana Bafana. The guys can't even score a goal if they were 16 years old. The girls are much better. So pay them. They are mistreated. Suffered. Mistreat them. Danny Yordan, he's got sheltered employment, he's a parasite. No, these women deserve to be remunerated as the men are. They've done exceptionally well. In fact, they've done far better than the men have, than Banyana has done, than Bafana has done, shall I say. The Midday Report. So news broke on uh, Saturday that uh, Gauteng police have confirmed that Glenn Agliotti passed away on Saturday. An inquest docket has been opened at the Douglasdale police station. Police also saying that a post-mortem will be conducted to determine the cause of death. Now, uh, I first met Glenn Agliotti at a very small court in Kempton Park when he was involved in a a drug trial known as the Paparas drug trial. It was the, the original court case, I suppose, that people really got to know him on um, and it was when he was termed the landlord do you remember that that was in in the mid 
uh, 2000s. Um, he, be, he got this, this reputation as the landlord. And then I, of course, followed Glenn Agliotti while he was implicated in the cable matter. I got to know him very, very well. He was a very charming man. Um, he definitely knew how to work the system. Uh, and uh, he, of course, testified against Jackie Salibi as a state witness. Now, you remember that he never actually got his Section 204 indemnity from prosecution. So the NPA could have prosecuted him. I think he was exceptionally fortunate, very lucky, to escape more jail time on that matter. But he was acquitted in the Kebble murder. Remember, Advocate Lawrence Hodes represented him there. Mikey Schultz testifying uh, against uh, Glenn Agliotti and a Section 174 application brought by Lawrence Hodes and, and Agliotti was acquitted. Um, he loved his family very much. Uh, he, he always spoke about his family, so my deepest condolences go to them. Uh, but Glenn Agliotti, very much a man who knew how to work the system. So if you speak to Paul O'Sullivan, he'll say that he uh, was he was a convicted drug dealer. Uh, he knew how to work the system. He knew how to, to make things happen when it came to, to a network. But I think that very much is the end of an era, seeing Glenn Agliotti passing away. And, and, and who can forget him testifying about Tabu Mbeki and the uh, soft leather size 7 shoes that he had bought for Tabu Mbeki on behalf of Jackie Salibi. That really is a significant time in our history. Um, my condolences go to his family, but I think also to remember that Glenn Agliotti was the guy who testified against Jackie Salibi, and that was, I, I always call it early onset state capture. That was one of the first big cases we saw in post-democratic South Africa of somebody in authority, somebody in power being captured in a way. The Midday Report. We have been speaking about Banyana Banyana, that situation that developed uh, yesterday. Lots of WhatsApp voice notes coming in uh, and tweets as well. Uh, let us know what you think about that. You can send them on 072 702 uh, Many of the voice notes that we have received have been in support of Banyana Banyana and the position that is being taken there. But I'd love to hear from you if you, if you disagree as well. You can let us know. Fifteen people, including two children, killed in a crash between a minibus taxi and a truck in the the Eastern Cape. Nine women, five men, a two-year-old child. They were all traveling in a minibus taxi. Terrible freak accident is how it's actually being described at the moment. Unati Binkose is the provincial transport spokesperson joining us now to talk about this. Uh, Unati, good afternoon to you. It's being described as as a freak accident. What what actually happened here? It really is. Eh? If you take a closer look at how it happened, let me tell you how it happened. Um, there's a truck that was traveling from the Western Cape towards the Eastern Cape. It was avoiding hitting a stray animal, and the driver lost control. Um, as he was trying to regain control of his truck, the moment, right at the moment when the, the taxi was passing by, going the opposite direction, that's when his trailer tipped over and landed on top of this uh, minibus taxi, killing everyone who was on board this minibus taxi, uh, meaning that those 15 people died. It was not your typical head-on or vehicle crashed on another vehicle kind of an accident. Uh, The trailer of the truck tipped over right at the moment as the minibus taxi was driving across. Uh, And do you have any more details, Unati, about when and, and where this accident occurred? 
The accident happened on the N9 in Aberdeen. Aberdeen is one of those border towns with the Eastern Cape and the Northern Cape. We are told that the taxi was traveling from um, the town of Tzolo in the Eastern Cape. Tzolo is just outside of Mkata. And these are people that had hired this taxi. It's not a taxi that they met at a taxi rank. And they had hired it to attend a funeral that was happening in uh, Tolo and they were headed back home in the Western Cape where they are working when this accident happened. Meaning that what we are talking about here are people who may be related to each other by blood uh, or some maybe through friendships and uh, being neighborly. Uh, so it's not people who are strangers to each other. Uh, they were actually attending a funeral when this accident happened. Oh, that's shocking, absolutely shocking. Unati, thank you very much for, for chatting to us about that. Uh, Unati Binkosi is the provincial transport spokesperson in the Eastern Cape. Fifteen people dying in that in that incident. And as, as he described, a truck, a heavy-duty truck, hit a stray animal. The driver lost control and uh, the trailer capsized, crushing a taxi beneath it. We know that there are there are many accidents in the Eastern Cape, but this one um, caused, it seems, by uh, by a rogue uh, animal and that, that heavy-duty truck falling on the taxi and the occupants of that taxi themselves on their way to a funeral. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener on 702 at Cape Talk. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. See money differently. Well, let's have a look at the flooding situation in Namaqualand now because search and rescue teams have recovered three bodies uh, as a result of flooding in that area. Five people swept away following heavy rains and fr- flooding over the last few days. Five towns have been cut off uh, because of this flooding, so it's been difficult for residents to get access to basic necessities. A helicopter has been involved in airlifting goods to towns affected. Jason Mulford is the Namakoi Municipality spokesperson person joining us now. Jason, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. Uh, firstly, let's, let's deal with the impact of the flooding on these various towns and, uh, and access to basic necessities. What's the current status there? Hi, good day. Yes, um, <clears throat> about 50 meters off of uh, the, the road that connects to Bilsafir, one of the main affected towns, Bilsafir, Komagas and Kleinsir, uh, that access road has been swept away by the flood, about 50 meters off the road, and the bridge, uh, you know, on which it was uh, built, has been swept away, so no one can access. Uh, fortunately, um, you know, by uh, owners on private land, uh, on a farm there, they have allowed us to pass through uh, through the farm. Now, there is a, a low water bridge, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, with the water subsiding, uh, the Namaku municipality was able yesterday to push some of the sand away and, you know, with with heavy machinery uh, for 4x4s and, you know, those off-road specialized vehicles to access, uh, you know, even some uh, small, smaller trucks can also access now. Um, but, yeah. Um, right. People are still cut off because we can't. Uh, they can't drive with uh, with uh, the light vehicles. The air support arrived about two o'clock yesterday afternoon, but you know, no aid. Uh, let's say 
yeah, they brought medicine, but other than that, you know, people are still not able to buy food supplies. So, um, so, so is there a shortage, Jason, shop. of of uh, food to to those people that have been cut off? Excuse me. Is there a shortage of food to those communities that have been cut off? There's a shortage of food, and there are different routes. Um, you know, going to Clainsea, uh, which is the furthest town uh, in our jurisdiction uh, along the coast. So they will have to drive via other towns, you know, that are connected to the N7, which would take them, you know, a couple of hours longer to uh, to get there. You know, uh, the roads have been washed away. But yeah, it's mostly it's food supplies. In Perthshire Field, there's only one shop, and it's not a chain. Uh, your 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 bigger chain stores, you know, it's privately owned. It's a small structure, uh, basically. So uh, food supplies, uh, you know, were were sold out in within minutes, you know, after uh, the flood. So they have been without food supplies mm. for about uh, this is day six. Sure. Uh, and Jason, um, I mentioned the fact that five people were swept away. Three bodies have been recovered. Uh, are you still searching or are emergency services still searching for the other two? The police are searching rescue team. Uh, you know, they are still looking for the last remaining uh uh, you know, person that was swept away. Four bodies have been recovered as of yesterday afternoon. Uh, the last person, uh, the the fourth person actually, uh, is a former policeman from the Bethesda region. His body was recovered yesterday afternoon. Sure. Well, Jason, thank you very much. Uh, best of, of luck to, to you and the communities there as well. Thank you for speaking thank to you. us. Uh, Jason Milford is the Namakoi Municipality spokesperson talking to us there about the flooding in the Namakwiland area. The Midday Report. Hi, Mandy. Uh, it's Sipo here. Uh, I support Banyana Banyana all the way. People have a lot to say and calling them mercenaries and so forth. These are long outstanding issues. It's not the first time that we have in Banyana Banyana in our country, be it qualified or not. Why aren't they treated the same? Not treated the same, sorry. It's, 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 uh, it's barbaric, in fact, to suffer to be doing that to Banyana Banyana. I fully support them all the way. They must get a contract which is of quality standard because they are representing us as a country. So, Big ups to Banyana Banyana. Thanks very much. Uh, on Twitter, Mummy says, Banyana Banyana have my full support. SAFA needs a complete overhaul or we must start an association, association run by women for women. They deserve better. Has, hashtag Banyana Banyana. And I, I know that I've referenced this a few times, but firstly, look at uh, Megan Rapino and the U.S. Women's National Team, how they dealt with this. They also um, uh, pretty much uh, stuck their, their heels in, dug their heels in and said, we're not playing until we get paid. And now they, they are getting paid properly so that's exactly what Banyana Banyana are doing and I, I spoke about Billy Jean King in the original nine and what we saw there where they did break away and they did start their own tournament run by women uh, for women and that's you know maybe that's an option we speak to Ria Laduaba and, and her attempts to try and uh, get into office uh, at uh, at SAFA and what happened there but it does see, I, I know that most of the, the WhatsApp voice notes we're getting most of the support is coming for Banyana Banyana the Midday Report with Mandy Wiener is brought to you by Nedbank Commercial Banking on 702 and Cape Talk.
Nedbank is a licensed FSP and registered credit provider. Very confusing and contradictory communication coming out of the Zulu Royal House over the weekend. So uh, Prince Mangasudu Butelezi put out a statement saying that King Misuzulu Kazuelatini uh, was receiving medical care uh, in Eswatini because he may have been poisoned. And then the Zulu Royal House came out and said King Misuzulu Kazuelatini is in perfect health and he's not in hospital. There's lots of context here. Uh, we know that there have been disagreements uh, between the two, Butelezi being the traditional prime minister. Uh, and so he issued a statement, a criticism for him, saying he shouldn't have issued a statement about the king's health. Let's try and understand this with Nklantla Mabaso, EWN's KZN reporter. Nklantla, good afternoon to you. Uh, where are we at the moment? Do we know where the king is, if he is indeed in good health, and if he is being treated in hospital? Well, good afternoon, Nelly. According to the spokesperson of the King Prince Africa Zulu of the Royal Resident, he says that the monarch is in perfect condition and currently not admitted at any hospital. I recently spoke to him just a short while ago. He said he will be speaking with Eyewitness News in, in, in a few hours, but he was just um, traveling to Swaziland saying that's crossing into the border. He says he will be the king in a few hours time that's right but he does confirm that indeed the king is in a swan currently visiting his uncle king Muswati the third well the king does usually visit the king that's right but it raises a lot of eyebrows mainly around both Butelezi and the king recall this is the second time that prince Butelezi came out to the public at first he seeks to pray he says, he says uh, the king seeks prayers and that the king should be prayed for because of his health condition However, he later retracted the statement. But today, speaking to the uh, Prime Minister's office, they say they stand by that, uh, that, that they are words that the king is indeed seeking medical care in Eswatini. Yeah. Uh, Prince Putulezi has said that he received this news from Prince Vumile, who is the brother to King Mswati III, that King Musazulu has been taken to hospital. Mm. Uh, what is the, the authenticity of this? What is the context here? Why would Prince Putulezi have put out this statement? Well, um, according to our royal sources, when I, when I did ask and follow up with the matter, especially some of King Mrs. Razulitina's siblings yesterday whom I spoke with, they said they, they know nothing about the king being admitted in hospital. In fact, those are the same people I contacted the first time when the prime minister said the king needs a medical care, and they said the king is actually fine. We are just attending a, 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 good, a good service Friday. I mean, I could find a service with him in, in, in fact, as we speak, we're on route to South Africa. But this time around, the, the, the traditional prime minister's statement says he heard from the senior prince that you've just mentioned. But again, Mindy, it would raise an eyebrow and concerns for some to say, why isn't the prime minister confirming with the king? Is their relationship sour into that extent that he can't even pick up a call to speak to a king that he serves as his prime minister for? To get the authenticity of him being really admitted to hospital or not. But speaking, like I mentioned, speaking to Prince Mangosotuktelezu's office a short while ago, they, they said that, and I quote, the traditional prime minister to the Zulu monarch nation stands by the statement he issued on Saturday, close quote, Mindy. But however, according to the...
And Klankla, we've just lost your line there, unfortunately. So we'll leave it there. And Klankla Mabaso, EWN KZN reporter. I think that pretty much was uh, wrapping up there. But there you, you've got it. So that's the, the state of play at the moment. Two very contradictory statements. One coming from the Zulu Royal House. The other coming from the traditional Prime Minister, Prince Mangasotu Botelezi. The Midday Report. The ANC Youth League are holding its first electoral conference at the weekend in, in, in a good few years. They now finally have a leadership that has actually been elected. The ANC MP, Colin Malachi, being elected as president. Uh, the president of the, the ANC in the country, Sir Ramaphosa, speaking at that conference yesterday, saying that the Youth League needs to take charge. They need to rally young people to vote. We've got a huge uh, voter apathy rate amongst youngsters in South Africa. And the president telling the Youth League that they need to go out and get young people to vote in support of the ANC. Rabone Tal, political analyst, joining us now to speak about this. Rabone, good afternoon to you. Thank you for, for your time. Are we seeing the ANC Youth League that has been so marred and, and, and really lacking in leadership over the past decade or so? Are we seeing a kind of return to former glory? What is your view about Colin Malachi and his, his leadership team? Uh, good afternoon, Mindy. Good day and good day to the listeners. I think one must start by saying that um, there seems to be a, a, a question about the details of this Congress. And this is because certain entity members, you know, who are in the discussion that Colin led with, have raised concerns you know, with the steering committee. And I've seen that um, even uh, yesterday, there was a letter that leaked out this morning that was written to ANC officials between, uh, regarding the status of this Congress. So this really um, questions the legitimacy of the elected leadership uh, under Colin Maine. That's an easy mistake to make. Uh, The president saying to to the ANC Youth League yesterday that we need you to go out um, and and rally young voters. The absence of the Youth League has been quite obvious. How important is the Youth League going to be going into the elections next year? The question is that um, what is it that they've got to offer to young people at this present moment? Because um, they can go and rally them behind the, the, the ANC and it will depend on what program of action that this uh, leadership would have, you know, in terms of um, rallying those young people uh, behind the banner of the ANC. But if they don't have a clear program of action, we're still waiting to see what is it that they resolved on. Because when I was talking to some of the delegates, apparently there were no um, commissions, you know, that's what they are alleging, some of the delegates, that there were no commissions at this Congress, they just came to vote. So it, it's a bit worrying, you know, uh, what is it that they're going to tell the youth of South Africa if themselves they're not so organized. I mean, this Congress, uh, in the history of, of, of the Youth League, the first time we have a Congress where even the organizational report was not tabled. So after eight years, there's no organizational report to look at diagnose the challenges of the youth and what lessons can be learned from the eight years that there was problems with the youth league. Oh, you could say take it because the youth league was um, disbanded um, in, in, in 2013 and there's been challenges for a decade now when it comes to the youth league. Robone, thank you very much. Uh, Robone Tao speaking to us there, political analyst, having a look at the ANC Youth League conference taking place at the weekend. Conor Malachi being elected as president. Uh, the economic freedom or death slate winning all the positions uncontested. Uh, but uh, there, there was a lot of chaos at registrations, allegations of interference as well. How will the ANC Youth League rebuild going forward? The Midday Report.
That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener. The Midday Report.